good day. Welcome. You are listening to Conversations from the Porch with your host, author, researcher, and intrepid truth-teller, Jack Hart. Jack is looking at the forest through the trees somewhere on the Cumberland Plateau. Now, from the porch, here's Jack Hart. Oh, I actually, our technician, Fergus, is here with us, too. He's seated next to me. But uh, we're going to do a little bit about economics. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep being a, because uh, it seems every time we talk about COVID, all that other stuff, it's really, it's a bummed out story, isn't it? Everybody does. I don't want to keep talking about that stuff. You know, there's going to be an end to this, you know, uh, and I, I, and with the end of this comes a beginning, and uh, our economic system. It's it, our economic system. It's just about uh, uh, the Great Reset is not uh, it's not working. You can see that now. I see one uh, one American billionaire. He's known for his financial predictions and stuff, and he. He's calling for like an apocalypse, uh, you know. Uh, he said he's, he's talking about fifty dollars a gallon for diesel. Isn't that absurd? Stuff comes out of the ground. I don't even know if there is any limit to how much of it they have. That, that's how broken our economic system is. That's just how broken it is. So we're we're gonna go over the uh, twenty-five points of national socialism, because. Uh, in 1933, when uh, Hitler took, took over Germany, it was in the economic gutter of Europe. Uh, I mean, Berlin, Berlin was a giant whorehouse, and it looked, looked kind of like D.C. looks today, with all the perverts and the homosexuals and the transvestites running around. And in uh, a year or two, uh, it became the economic powerhouse of Europe. So we're going to examine the... Uh, the system on, uh, on which he based this. We need to. Uh... No, go ahead. Okay, uh, we 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 need to examine the uh, the. Uh, the... All right, let, we'll start from uh, the beginning. Is in 1920. Hitler was uh, he, he got into the NSDAP and uh, he he, he st- immediately people started uh, coalescing uh, around him. He was a magnet to people. I mean, you know, just the stupid shit about he was the raw child. You know, that's, you know, you want to read about Hitler's childhood, just go read Norman Norman Miller's book, uh, Castle on the Hill. Yeah. Norman Miller knows what color, color underwear his subject is wearing on each day he writes about it. Uh, and nothing about the Rothschilds in there. Uh, anyway. The guy was something about him that just drew people to him. And uh, he had hooked up with this other guy, Godfrey Fetter, who was, uh, we're going to be discussing him in depth. But uh, Fetter was, you know, he was a marginal character, and so was the NSDAP. Uh, but once Hitler got in there, it just started snowballing like a, an avalanche going downhill. By 1920, he gets out. Gets up there and he makes a speech. It was his first big speech in front of it. It was a big audience. He just—I I think it was off the top of his head. He came up with this 25 points. Uh, 
Uh, and we're going to go through each one. Um, but uh, in order to really understand economics, I, I just want to give you a brief history, very brief. Okay. E economics is, you, you know, you talk, talk to 100 econom economists and you'll get 100 different opinions. It's not really a science or uh, it's nothing exact in economics. It was as, 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 as an academic practice, it probably started with Sir Thomas Munn, who was director of the East India Company. He wrote a couple of books about England's treasure and treasure by foreign trade and how to, uh, you know, how to keep it and how to control it. Then you got from there, you go to France with another guy named Colbert. He was running France. He had something that was a lot more, uh, it, it was a lot more uh, rigid, rigidly controlled than, than, than either, either uh, uh, England or, or, or uh, the Netherlands, which, which were the other two economic powerhouses. The thing is, Colbert's system probably works, worked best, and they use, use it today, too. They, they, Taiwan uses it, a number, South Korea uses it, uh, to a certain extent, China, too. But in any case... Uh, what it does is it, it leaves you like stranded in, in the past, uh, and that the, the the more nimble Dutch and English system of like allowing the market to uh, dictate uh, changes and stuff. Uh, eventually, technologically, they left France in the dust, uh, and from France being the big powerhouse in the early 17th century. Uh, and then you come to uh, the the main guy. This is the guy that made everything, uh, you know, uh, possible with this economic science. Uh, and that was Adam Smith. And uh, he wrote The Wealth of Nations. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it was like a 800-page book. I, I, think he, I think he abridged it seven times. Uh, so he rewrote, rewrote it seven times. Uh, during the course of his lifetime. And, and, you know, everybody can get everything out of this, but uh, the principal things was uh, what he said was uh, the Aj Fair, which was, you know, leave the markets alone, uh, and they'll dictate, you know, the, uh, supply and demand. Uh, and uh, he was the first one to say, uh, you know, uh, wealth is not backed by... Uh, it's not backed by gold, or even it's, it's uh, uh, wealth is. It, all right, I give you for instance. You think like, oh, going to gold. Everything should be on the gold standard, okay? Uh, Spain. Now we all have pictures of all the money Spain stole from uh, and, and killed all those those Mesoamericans and uh, giant uh, ships going back and forth laden with gold. You know what happened? France declared bankruptcy in 1560, 1575, 1596, 1607, 1627, 1647, and 1653. You know what? When you have so much gold, it's worth. You can't eat it. It's it's a it's a it's a commodity. It's not really. It's a rock, man. Uh, so Adam Smith, he, you know, he pointed all this out. He had he had all this to look at, and he was a brilliant, brilliant man, and. Uh, he said that uh, you know, real, real money, money is backed by uh, the uh, innovation and 
industriousness, industriousness, labor. Now, from there, we go to Feta and to the 20, 25 points and Hitler. And later on, another guy was brought in. Go ahead, Bill. You got the 25 points. I talked long enough. <laughs> well, one of the things that I want to bring up, which is not part of the scope of this discussion, um, is the fact that when you have as many people as we have on the planet, there must be some means of accounting for that productivity of the individual and at the same time providing a means for which that individual can exchange that labor. Money, the term money, uh, it used in this sense to, to talk about gold, silver, paper, whatever it happens to be, that is, a, again, beyond the scope of this, is a medium of exchange whereby I trade my labor for something else. If I'm laboring and I've got a thousand cattle, I can't take those thousand cattle to the guy 200 miles away and expect him to give me his apples so I can make Applejack and get drunk. So there has to be some way for us to exchange my labor for the labor of another. That's where money came from, and that's that's enough of a, a primer on that. Getting back to the the 25 points, uh, Jack and I have discussed it at some length. Uh, the 25 points with relation to the uh, Constitution of the United States and and probably some other constitutions, and there are some things that are already in inbuilt in our nature as humans that uh, obviously God, Godfrey Fetter saw when he was putting these 25 t together as well as uh, the founders and the framers of the United States Constitution uh, they saw that um, but I will um, like to start with the very first point which was point number one, we demand the unification of all Germans in the greater Germany on the basis of the right of self-determination of peoples. That's an important point, self-determination of peoples. Uh, they were trying to maintain with this one for a very first point, the German culture and the German way of life, they saw it as, and they use in here race, but um, it's more a national culture when you look at the world today divided into countries. A uh, comparison of, of unification would be the United States is one nation of states as was Germany, a nation of states at the time when this occurred. Uh, but we're divided. And, and therein lies the issue, is we do not have a consensus of people as to how we should deal with the rest of the world. We've abdicated that self-determination to our government. Okay.
when we discuss the 25 points, Fetter's the inspiration for them, but you got to remember that Hitler's the one who just spouted them all. I think he improvised them. Uh, and it comes with the bellicosity of the way Hitler talks. This guy was not, uh, he wasn't asking for anything. He's telling, he, we demand, this in the first three, uh, first three precepts. Uh, this guy was a warrior. He'd been through all kinds of uh, hell. Uh, got the two iron cross, not just one, he got two iron crosses. Uh, the guy was, according to anybody that knew him in the war and saw him, uh, just without fear. A lot of this wording is an early Hitler, and it's uh, racially explicit to Germans uh, because they, 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 they wanted their place in the world. Uh, we as Americans have to word it a little bit differently because we're, we're a mix of every race. That leads us to the second point of, of the 25 points, though. He demanded equality for all Germans. Right, right. Well, I think it, it, it really leads us to the fifth one, all right? Whoever has no citizenship is to be able to live in Germany only as a guest and must be under the authority of legislation for foreigners. Sounds like immigration law to me. Yeah, yeah. Now that, we need, that, that's one that works for America. Uh, especially for uh, our, our, our so-said minorities. Uh, who, who, who's losing their jobs? It's the borders being uh, penetrated or, or overrun. Not penetrated, it's being overrun. Uh, whose jobs are being taken? Uh, isn't it the uh, Hispa Hispanics and, and, and black people that are here, you know, that, especially Hispanics that are here legally, uh, they're here to take your job now and they'll work a little cheaper than you. And these guys will work a dollar less for a dollar less. And now you just lost your job. And, 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 and all this, there has to be, a, you can't just become a citizen of a country by walking across a border. You have to adapt to culture. And if you're not in our culture, you should stay the hell out of the country, to tell you the truth. You're not going to add anything to it. And you just, but you know what's going to happen? By the time you all come over here, you're going to have another banana republic, and you're going to want to go over there. Uh, just this, this is for Americans, really, these economic points. They're not for the whole world. And this is, this is what, where, where you, get, you got the clash of two, two, uh, two forces here between Putin and the West, okay? Uh, something called autocracy or, or nationalism, uh, and autocracy goes with it, which is, uh, you know, you shorten your supply lines to be internal. And you have a bunch of different nations. You know, diversity, it is good. It is good. But it's not good if you're mix, mixing together all different peoples. Diversity is good when you have different nations with different cultures and all inter interact and border and everything works out smoothly. Then you get a real, a real free market instead of this globalist garbage we got here. It's well, that, that can take us back to, to uh, point four which is only a member of the race can be a citizen. That's the statement that was made in the speech. We have in the Constitution 
a means by which someone can become a citizen. Someone says, I want to live in the way that America has established itself and built itself. It's there. But those who have not gone through that, now Hitler was talking about those who are of the German race have German blood. If you set aside the blood aspect of it, and you look at it from a sense of we have to have people coming in that are productive and capable, then we're in a situation we are in in the U.S. We have laws on the books. We're just letting the executive branch and, and those, quote, policymakers who are not under legislative direction other than their selection are the ones who are allowing millions and millions of people to flood the country to the detriment of those who have gone through the process of citizenship and and have sworn their oath to this nation and the nation's constitution versus the whims of either the market or the federal government. That's my take on it anyway. Well, certainly my take on it. I mean, if you have a, a, a you have a club that's going to be all inclusive, then you just have anarchy. Uh, that's the, you don't have a club anymore at all. It's got to be exclude. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to exclude certain people, and it's got to include certain people. Now, included is every American that's a citizen. Excluded is everybody else. That brings us to point six, and and I'll go ahead and read this one because it makes real good sense. The right to determine matters concerning administration and law belongs only to the citizen. Therefore, we demand that every public office of any sort whatsoever, whether it in the Reich, the country, or municipality, be filled only by a citizen. We combat the corrupting parliamentary economy office holding only according to party affiliations or inclinations without consideration of character or abilities. And that is a really strong point in who should be in leadership, who should be in administration. Uh, those who are beholding to another nation or hold dual citizenship with another nation, in, in the, the one that comes to mind, of course, is, is all of the people who have uh, Israeli, Israeli dual citizenship. Uh, citizenship. And are they going to be more inclined to vote based upon their belief system which is what their Israeli citizenship to them is indicating, or are they going to uh, have the allegiance to the nation? Let me just interrupt that for one second. If we should happen to have any of you Jewish listeners out there, when, when Phil talks about Israelis, he's talking about Israelis. He's not talking about Jews, okay? And they ain't worrying about you either, believe me. They're worrying about Israel. Uh, they'll, they'll throw you right under the bus. Uh, and, and they're doing it now. Uh, take a look at what your life's become. Uh, 
under Israeli influence, uh, you know, all you got to do is turn on social media and they got it flooded with Hasbauer trolls trying to manipulate public opinion all the time. Uh, Israelis, Israel is Zionist, uh, uh, it's the, the kingdom of Zionism. And Zionism is a repugnant, a repugnant thought process. It's, it's not. It's not even a religious system. Based on on, on a made up book, uh, because the Bible, the, the Old Testament was made up in the tenth century. I think I proved that ten ways to Sunday, uh, and it, it 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 makes up a race, the British, to be the chosen people. And it's just uh, that's another thing when you look at your Zionism. You think you think the Jews made Israel? No, the Jews didn't make Israel. The, the British made Israel. So British Israeliism. Uh, the Balfour Agreement was uh, it was okayed by the British. You know, Balfour was British. Uh, so, so you know, when they talk about Rothschild, this, this, this. no, no, Israel is not. Uh, it's not for Jews. Israel is for Zionism. Go ahead, Bill. Well, I wanted to, to move on because we're talking about uh, Israel, uh, foreign allegiances within the United States is, is ultimately what we're talking about here. So now what we want to get in, get onto is point number seven. Uh, we demand that the state be charged first with providing the opportunity for a livelihood and a way of life for the citizens. If it is impossible to sustain the total population of the state, then the members of foreign nations, non-citizens, are to be expelled. Now, considering that, we, we certainly have uh, the first part of that statement in our Constitution, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We did it. We did this. We already did this. Operation went back by, by Eisenhower. He expelled like 12 million Mexicans because he wasn't having them taking his World War II veteran, uh, veterans' jobs when they returned from Korea in World War II. They were expelled in the 50s under Eisenhower. They didn't care about anchor babies either. And the name of it was Operation Wetback for all you, uh, so you can be suitably offended, uh, all you supposed liberals that and that, that moves us to point number eight people. any further immigration of non-citizens is to be prevented we demand that all non-germans who have immigrated to germany since the august 2 1914 date be forced immediately to leave okay so we know for certain that there is a means by which people can come into this country we know that they can come in under asylum, which is a churchism. Um, we also know that they can come under, come into this country on visas to visit as a guest, and we can tell them to leave any time we like as part of those laws. And the other one is they can come in under a green card where they have said that they will become a citizen of the United States. Um, those points are clearly made in the Constitution and immigration law in this country. And asylum, that does, not, that does not encompass economic hardship. So anybody asking for asylum because they can't make a living in Guatemala or El Salvador, that does, 
You don't get asylum for that. No, That's it has fine. everything to do with the imminent danger and right. death. Right, for political, for, you know, asylum you get for, for your political beliefs. Like, I need asylum from America. That's another story. And then we move on to number nine, which is a real simple one. All citizens must have equal rights and obligations. Uh, this one, I, the only thing I'm going to say is, if we have equal rights, then you must have equal obligation and responsibility to, in exercising those rights. There has to be repercussions for the individuals who are transgressing upon the rights of others as enshrined by the Constitution. Okay, that's, and, and then it goes right to number 10, which, which is the obligation of every citizen to work both spiritually and physically. Act, uh, I mean, this was a big thing that, they, that was emphasized with National Socialism, is, is the, the, the feeling of belonging, the feeling of working towards a higher purpose, uh, uh, having a reason, uh, I think the French call raison d'etre, there's a French word for it that exactly defines it, but a re, it's a reason for existence, a purpose. Uh, and and they wanted everybody to come together and work in this pro and, and and that's exactly what ended up happening, because if you treat people right and you reward them as was done, uh, they do respond. Well, the the second part of of number ten is the activity of individuals is not to counteract the interest of the universality, but must have its result within the framework of the whole for the benefit of all. And, and then he goes on to some more demands, because the statement ends with, consequently, we demand. You know, the activity of individuals, if it's counter to the, the survival of the community, why would the community want that individual to uh, do those actions or be in a certain way to begin with? Uh, because that reduces the capability and the productivity of the individual group that we're talking about. It only makes good sense that people live up to a responsibility of taking care of themselves. And as long as the state can come in and, and ensure that they have those opportunities, whether that be the local community, which is where my preference is, um, and you don't like it, you can move, vote with your feet, those kinds of cliches, uh, but it comes down to there needs to be a framework of some sort where when someone is productive and they're developing spiritually and physically and productivity, they're developing their productivity, then we have that it's good for the individual and good for the community. Okay, that, that brings us to my favorite. Point 11, abolition of unearned incomes, breaking of rent slavery. Now we go back to uh, Adam Smith and uh, a guy named David Ricardo, who was a student of Adam Smith. Now, he said that what we really had to eliminate was what was called rent-seeking. And that's... This guy's economists have written books about that. I think uh, 
10 years ago, 10% 10, uh, 10 of America's uh, income went to these type of occupations, like in insurance. And these are people who don't produce anything. They perform no labor, and at the end of the day, there's nothing there that they can say they made. It's, uh, I think one great economist gives an example of the king who puts uh, a chain br bridge across his, uh, a river that goes through his territory. And when the boatman comes by, he's got to pay a fee, and he puts the chain down. That's a rent seeker, okay? Now, now he, Charging tolls on bridges. And he's not, do, he's not given anything back. He's not improved the river. He's not made the uh, boat's passage any safer. All he's done is collected a, t a tiff on something, and he's given nothing back. That's what a rent seeker is. This is what FEDA... Was, was, was determined to abolish in Germany. And that went for uh, mostly for Wall Street, uh, the Wall Street types in Berlin, uh, Paris, and the Bank of London, which immediately set them at odds. Uh, yeah, it's all the money manipulator. I, I mean, Feta, he was gone before Hitler even took power. You want to go through the rest of the points so I can give this short history lesson here on what happened. Uh, let me just do, the, do this uh, short history here of uh, what happened with FEDA. Um, see, FEDA had made lots of threatening... He had actually threatened Rothschild by a name. Uh, and the rest of the bankers and the landgraves, they were called in Germany. These were all rent seekers. And he was going to, you know, he was going to confiscate their wealth and their property. Because uh, after the 25 points, Federer hammered out three books elaborating on them. And he had it all nailed down in doctrines. And uh, he did all kinds of economic studies and uh, and what he came out with was that you know uh, they, they 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 didn't they didn't need uh, to, to be borrowing money from banks. Uh, the money the state earned through running its own uh, infrastructure without cutting in foreign banks would be more than enough to finance a utopian society. They, they didn't. He, he envisioned a society that didn't even have to pay taxes. You were just the infrastructure that you were paying for, like you were paying your railroad free, you paying paying your transit fee. That 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 would that would be the money that the state run on, uh, and he the the, the Germans. Uh, the German uh, economic titans, I.G. Farben and the rest, uh, Tyson and there's a few others, uh, they were never going to accept uh, Feta, you know. Uh, so Hitler had to get rid of him. And in a way, he made a deal with the devil when he became, uh, in 1933, they gave him Helmach Schlack. The guy was a professional embezzler. I think he'd stolen... Uh, 500 million francs uh, of German war reparations meant for the Belgians uh, from World War One. Uh, he was convicted of that. The army threw him out of his position. But uh, Hitler was saddled with this piece of shit. Uh, eventually, Hitler, he spent the last year because he uh, of uh, his career as a Nazi uh, in a concentration camp because he colluded in trying to kill Hitler. And uh, 
the Germans were unsuccessful, I mean, the Russians were unsuccessful in trying to drag his ass. Uh, they wanted to hang him. I mean, he was responsible for a lot of the slave labor uh, alf, uh, th that was uh, being used with Russian prisoners. But he skated. He pretty much skated. But he was a big thorn in the side. Uh, so to counteract this, uh, Hitler wasn't stupid. Uh, this guy shocked uh, he, he, his, his hobby was studying Hebrew. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was right. He was right from the the, uh, the Ma Freemasons, and so he, he got he put this guy uh, Friedrich Frederick Reinhardt in charge of economy. At the same time, he made uh, shocked. Uh, uh, I think he was head of the National Bank, but really, this guy Friedrich uh, Reinhardt made all the decisions. And uh, we're including a little 22-minute uh, video with that, and I'd like you to watch it. Uh, and you see some of the innovations he had. For instance, uh, a, a lot of them might be unacceptable to us Americans. Uh, you know, like uh, there's a rigid price control, uh, uh, taxes were directed in certain places, uh, um, economic uh, income tax was considered the fairest way to tax people. Uh, you know, you probably wouldn't even be allowed to own a gun in a National Socialist Society. Uh, but uh, it worked. It worked because by 1934, uh, Germany had left the Depression like a, a rocket. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, and we'll probably get into a lot of that in future discussions because the, the actual administration of the, the 25 points and the constitution that, that was developed through uh, those discussions in 1920 to 1930, that, that all comes about in such a way as to be a huge benefit. I've seen the results of it myself being in Germany for many years. Uh, the industriousness that came from the people under this plan was amazing. And, and the removal of the influence of the international institutions that feel that it's their job to drive the world economies. Um, I did want to bring up one last point because point 11, the abolition of unearned incomes, is followed by point number 12 and 13, which are interrelated. And I'll bring these up and, and we'll probably... No, we'll do all, we'll go through them fast. Get us to the point where we can wrap up for this week because okay. we're already going way in there. I knew we would, 25 uh, points is a lot. Exactly. You have to be whittled down to that. To, so those. we're... You can bet that we'll probably do a recap and hit the other 12 points following these couple of points I want to make. Um, point 12 is in consideration of monstrous sacrifice in property and blood, again, following uh, each of the wars, demands of the people personal enrichment through a war must be designated as a war crime against the people. Oh no, there goes the military-industrial complex! <laughs> Therefore, they demanded the total cons con confiscation of all war profits. 
This is the next point, 13. We demand the nationalization of all associated industries, meaning war industries. If a manufacturer does nothing but produce weapons, then that should be a national industry guided by the will of the people and the profits of that should be turned back to the people. Um, and so that makes a lot of sense. Basically, he was saying, we don't want to build up a war industry. We don't want an, in an international um, industrial military complex deciding what we, the people of our nation, are going to be doing. And there's some other points as we go farther down that really tie in well with this. Uh, but ultimately, as we've seen, uh, Hitler and his ideals, not ideas, but ideals, um, were thwarted by that international group that is the industrial military complex and we're seeing that in the United States today. Huge, huge profits to all of those industries that support a destruction as opposed to the building up of individual productivity. That's why we're looking at another century of endless warfare. Uh, it's already begun in the Ukraine. That war ain't gonna end. I'll wrap this up, uh, a little brief speech about Hitler and uh, the much maligned Hitler. First of all, I wasn't raised as a Nazi and, uh, you know, I grew up with Jews and uh, I was always repulsed, uh, uh, dutifully repulsed by Hitler until I started reading uh, Particular. I did read his book, Menkoff, which I found fascinating when I was about 12 or 13, when I was reading a lot of books. And I thought it was pretty fascinating. But uh, I never really gave it a second thought until I started doing the Black Sun Rising series. What, what, what the Nazis were, and, and that's not the, what they should be called. They should be called National Socialists, which, by the way, you know, there's an artificial uh, uh, conflict between uh, what's, what's Marxism and what is National Socialism that's inflamed by, by the, the, the capitalists. Uh, for your information, like two of the most vociferous and prolific National Socialist, uh, Leon de Grill, who was probably the greatest war hero that ever lived, and a brilliant, brilliant man. He was said if he ever had a son, he'd want him to be like Leon de Grill. Uh, and uh, the great Miguel Serrano. Both started out as Marxist communists, okay? And when they, they, started, they got into reading about National Socialism, they, they want more, because Marxism leaves no room for individuality or property ownership or, 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 or uh, egalitarianism, as, as was said by Sabatendorf. That's de death. That's death. We're not all created equal. Uh, we all have certain equal, inalienable and equal rights, yes, but we are not all created equal. That should be rather obvious. And you get stuff like affirmative action and stuff. Uh, what do we got to... Uh, 
uh, Ferry, yes, uh, he's in charge of nuclear, uh, nuclear uh, energy. Uh, we got, uh, uh, it's, it's just, the, oh yeah, the other one, the breastfeeding man that's in charge of transportation. Look, look at this, look at this menagerie. Uh, that's, that's what affirmative action amounts to. In any case, I was talking about Hill. I'm getting sidetracked. What Hitler was is he was the uh, he was the death of globalism or, or the, uh, the the antithesis, the nemesis of globalism. And uh, where they wanted to divide everybody, uh, that because that's their game. He wanted to to, to unify the classes, both uh, the rich and the working class, where they worked together, and they built something. And our next uh, audio, just as a, uh, or podcast, as a quick aside, we'll be talking about those points uh, within the uh, 25 points that point back to the individual and small businesses versus this large international conglomeration. Right, right. Well, well... I also just I just wanted to make that point that that you know you you constantly told well well this is a, it's anti democracy it's it's against democracy you damn right it is democracy is ruled by the rabble uh, this country uh, for uh, I got a hot news flash for all you people who watch the mainstream media <laughs> this is not a democracy this is a republic <laughs> all right federate, found... it's a federated republic thank you uh, Bill will be going to, he could go into this for an hour but uh, the, what are they talking about democracy this is not a democracy it was never meant to be a democracy 200 years ago they knew democracy was a recipe for anarchy uh, and and that's that's Hitler railed against democracy. He felt with democracy, what happened is the government was not strong enough to control <coughs> what you what we call today billionaires. Uh, with, with, with a democracy, the, the billionaires they take over the media, they take over the politics, and they take over the court system, just like they've done here in the okay. industry. So we have to have some form of government. And that's, that, that was Hitler's main prayer. That put him at war. I mean, everything else after that was provocation. Go, they don't like to translate Hitler's speeches, man. Because once you start listening, seeing what he's saying, you're like, hey, this guy's on our side. You know, this is not a monster. This guy's saying everything I always saw. And, and that, that's why you see most, most Hitler's speeches are in German. And they do not have subtitles on them. Right. Because he was speaking from a common man standpoint of common sense. That which we all should have if we're not listening to the media and all of those that would drive our viewpoints. The media's working for billionaires. Just remember that. That's that they, All they are is propagandists for billionaires. Nobody gets to talk anymore that has a differing opinion. So that's also the case with the politicians in Washington, D.C. and most state houses is they're bought and paid for by the billionaires. So they're just spouting the propaganda and the agenda of those billionaires. You start at the World Economic Forum and you can go down to a city council or a school board meeting and you're still hearing the same things out of all of them. And most of the time what you're hearing is not common sense. It's never common sense. It's it's robotic. It's robotic. Uh, we got to go. For, that's thirteen points. 
we will cover the other 12. Because, you know, this system's going to collapse. The Great Reset is kaput, uh, as the Germans would say. Uh, uh, Putin is still a, a major factor, uh, as is China will be. Too. And by the way, China is more or less not, China isn't really communist. China is national socialist. In China, you're allowed to have money and you're allowed to have property. So that makes it national socialist, not, not, not Marxist, okay? So they should be called the National Socialist Chinese Party. Uh, but in any case, that, that, we'll get into the other, the other 12 points. And uh, you, you need to have something, because I, what I feel is we're going we're gonna to collapse into localized communities. But they're not going to be so localized that we have a, you know, a sheriff presiding over everybody, you know. You're gonna have millions and millions of people in certain for certain segment segments of this country, and nor will we have the ability to isolate as we may have once had right. uh, with the That's lower population. Yeah. And and I'm just rewording what I was hearing you say, and and so in that that sense, yes, you may be localized and you've got local production, but you still have to trade with those outside of your local area for those things that you can't produce. But that should not be a matter of central processing is, is the point that I'll always make. Um, you sh a farmer shouldn't be told he can and can't grow corn for his cattle or for eating of other people. Um, that gets into price controls, which we'll talk about at another time. Right, right. Well, they, the, 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 the National Socialists control them at the market level, not, not, not at the, the supply level. Uh, the whole idea of National Socialism was to stimulate the supply level because they were afraid uh, the farmers were moving into cities to work in the industry and, and they, they, had to start, they had to ensure the nation's food supply. Imagine that. And we see a lot of that going on in the in industry that is, is being manipulated greatly these days, the energy industry. Right. Yeah, green energy. Yeah, at the expense of your food supply. How ludicrous can you get? How insane can you get? It reminds me of that movie Ghost of Mars, where the people start mutilating themselves and they're they're possessed and they're ripping off their ears and they know. That's a good movie. Watch that. It reminds me of today when you look at TV or go on Twitter or Facebook. But in any case, uh, I'm gonna leave you off with that. We've talked long enough. But uh, you're going to have to, you better start thinking about economics. I would suggest you read our three Borman factions and take it from there yourself, you know. It's, uh, you, can't, you can't just look at one system of economy. It's, it's, it doesn't work like that. You get a, like I said, you get 100 economists in a room and you'll have 100 different opinions. Good. Oh, I was just going to um, interject here that uh, we need the Jack Hart organization, you know, such that it is, the, the couple of us that are doing all of this, uh, we need you to like and share what we produce. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank whether, you. whether it's a podcast or the blog, uh, which is uh, The Human on uh, over on uh, Google, the Blogspot, uh, or whether you share the Jack Hart organization. Yeah, share this stuff around, man. Share it. Please share this. When you get an email, please share that email with like-minded people or people who you have uh, discussions with 
as reference, uh, there's new things coming to the Jack Hart website. There's new things coming to the blog. There's new things coming to Substack. Uh, those new things will be helping you to share the information that we use as reference. Um, we're going to put links to, to references or a reference page together so you can see uh, for yourself what these people that we reference were saying. There's new things coming all the time and new things being disclosed. Uh, I think I have the best uh, the best sources in the world right now. The best, just so. Uh, if you're here, you're in the right place. Uh, I need you to help out. Like and share, man. Like and share. Especially share. Share. Uh, a lot of that stuff I put out there on those t t today's briefs is, is coming. For, uh, it's all original stuff. It's, fair, it's, it's coming from sources I got all over the world. All right. Good, good. What is it, afternoon or is it still morning, Bill? It's after 11, so okay. we're still morning. All right. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for today's Conversations from the Forge. To view and listen to Jack's work, subscribe at jackhart.substack.com. We hope you found today's conversation interesting and informative. Join us next time for Jack Hart's Conversations from the Porch.